Requiem Metal Podcast, Episode 21, Projections of a Stained Mind. Welcome to the Requiem Metal Podcast. You just heard our opening number of uh, the this evening or morning, depending on when you're listening to us. Uh, that was in Tomb Forsaken, but uh, 
obviously mark a version that many people may not have heard uh yeah, tell us, tell the, us what uh, we're uh, listening to tonight. This was the only... Uh, well, yeah, first of all, we're listening to the Projections of a Stained Mind comp, which is put out by CBR Records in 1991, I believe. Yeah. Which is kind of like a holy grail of of Swedish death metal stuff. Really, a lot of the stuff was never released, or it's all different versions, like this version of Forsaken. Um, the, the, probably the one most of you guys have heard was on... The Crawl EP. The Crawl EP that had over a soft strum from Nirvana in 2002 on vocals, and... This is the only version with uh, LG Petrov. Yeah, the current, still current and original vocalist of Entombed. So, and uh, Projections of State Mind is the second compilation that we've uh, actually chosen to do for uh, for a podcast. The first was the War compilation, and Projections of State Mind has a sort of a just a particular nuance to it in that it has just sort of the who's who of all this great sort of early stages of Swedish rock. Yeah, really. Uh, or Swedish metal or yeah, rock. I mean, it's kind of the predecessor to the to the war comp in a way. You know, the same, they had the same kind of feeling when I got that as when I got the war comp. Well, now, would you say that this one, even though it doesn't completely fit geographically, this is sort of like the compilation of the Stockholm sound, whereas war compilation is the Stockholm of the Gothenburg sound? I mean, is that a fair... Sort Pretty of close. assessment, I mean, you know. Yeah, we've got. I mean, Mayhem's on here, and you know, from yeah. Norway, and then uh, Grotesque is from from Gothenburg. From Gothenburg. And I think um, House of Usher. I think they're from Gothenburg area or, or near area. there. Yeah. yeah, but the majority of these bands, you know, you're you're Unleashed, uh, Entombed, Dismember, mm-hmm. um, Nirvana, two thousand two, Chronic Decay. You know, a lot of these bands are, I think, from the the near the Stockholm yeah, area. Yeah, so. so it, it kind of. You know, is sort of the introduction to the world in, in many ways for a lot of those bands mm-hmm. because outside of Entombed, uh, I think at this point, uh, Entombed was the only band that was signed on not really a major label, but at least a major, well, major label underground. Yeah, that would get, yeah. In yeah, terms was... of introducing themselves to the American audience, this was probably one of the first things that would have done it, right? This comp, yeah. Well, but it didn't have a lot of distribution no, either. It's still, I mean, you even look it up online, and it's really hard to find any information about the thing at all. And I guess this was coming out at the same time as, like, uh, you know, the first Dismember record. Like an overflowing stream. But all this yeah. stuff was, yeah, it was, uh, most of it was recorded in early 90. Okay. So it all, a lot of it predates most of these bands' first first records, except for, you know, Merciless already had a record out. And, yeah. Um, Tiamat, I think, had put out maybe Sumerian Cry by this point yeah, in 1990. Yeah. Uh, and gro- put out a grotesque, I think, probably had some maybe an EP or, or something some that was demos. out. And I think yeah. Treblinka, the precursor to Tiamat, I think they had a couple demos out before as well. Same with Therion. Yep, yep. Um, but you know, in particular, this is you know just unique in that nobody got a hold of this thing. Like you said, it's it's sort of a rarity, but yet the quality of bands on this thing is is almost absurd. You know, like you don't see compilations like this anymore. No, and, and a lot of these bands, I think. Um, like House of Usher never put out a full, a proper album. I don't know. Did, if uh, Nirvana 2002. 2002. Yeah, they put out a couple demos. Chronic Decay. I don't think put out anything in no. particular. You know, so this is really one of the only places that you would have been able to find something. You know, um, from some of these bands, and it, it's almost like the the culmination of like kind of the Swedish tape trading community. You know, all oh, yeah. put on one disc in yeah. a way. And if you read uh, a recent book that just sort of came out that I know Mark and I have picked up and talked about before on, on this, you know, the Swedish death metal book that Daniel uh, Eckeroth put out, he talks about a lot of these sort of like obscure bands that really sort of are the puzzle pieces of the whole Swedish death metal scene. Yeah, one of the big ones that we actually have two tracks from is uh, Merciless. Merciless. And they're a band not many people I know are, are that terribly familiar mm-hmm. with. They they hardly get mentioned in, in you know, by anyone. Uh, got, I think they have two... 
maybe two records out that are still kind of available. They're you know probably in the forty to fifty dollar range. But. Yeah, if you hunt around on eBay or Amazon, mm-hmm. is that the one the the first release on on Euronymous's label? Is that one still the DSP one? Yeah, or is that one that's just almost? Jeez, I, I can't even think. I should have done a little bit more pre planning and remembered what the name. Well, yeah, the I, were, I, can't I, remember. I can't remember. I mean, because the point of this was not to give like a band history necessarily for every single band on this compilation, mm-hmm. or else it'd be a you know four hour podcast. But <laughs> again, to to sort of you know spend a little bit of time with some of these bands is you know maybe some of you who are listening to this podcast um for the you know for the first time haven't really explored the old sort of classic swedish death metal scene you might be familiar with you know you're at the gates and maybe a left hand path from entomb mm-hmm. a couple other choice releases well, and even, uh people hear therion's name thrown around a lot now and they're I mean, ever since uh, Symphony Masses in, when was that, maybe 92 or 90? I think it was 94. Was it 94? Yeah. That had, I mean, that totally changed the direction of the band in some weird symphonic sure. orchestrated, you know, death metal act, so. And Tiamat, the same. I mean, they've sort of become kind of gothic garbage, you know. Really? Yeah, they put uh, out three solid records and then just kind of, you know, what fell happened? Fell apart. <laughs> yep. and, it, and, and some of these bands, you know, just like you said, never even put out any proper releases. And a lot of people who listen to At The Gates may not even know Grotesque. Yeah, you know, so the House of Usher connections with with Martin, with Larson. Martin from At the Gates, absolutely. So this is kind of you know was a, one of our inspirations for why we wanted to do a show like this was because you know just the the sheer value of all these bands and it, it gave us a, an opportunity to talk about a scene that you were a really big part of because it was sort of right when you were kind of getting into the extreme metal yeah. scene and then I kind of picked up on the tail end of this scene a couple of years later. I should um, mention that the um, the CD and the, I've got the LP version of it here and uh, Jason's got a copy of the CD and. The CD's actually got like what four or five bonus tracks. Yeah, the the Tiamat song we're gonna play tonight, and um, one of the Merciless songs that we're gonna play tonight, neither of which are on the your LP, mm-hmm. right? But you, I think Chris hooked us up with uh, the CD version of yep. this, which I, you know, again, I don't know how readily available the CD version is anywhere. I, I can't find anything online at all. For, I mean, I, I looked around to try to you know see if I could find just even there's like on the metal uh, encyclopedia or metal archives they've got like a mention of it yeah but I haven't seen a whole lot of just versions of the CD or the LP anywhere and and I mean I don't even have the you know the real CD I mm-hmm. just have a, a copy that was made uh, back in college I think off of you which you made a copy I think off of Chris, <laughs> oh, Chris yeah. so this is you know when we talk about obscure compilations you know we're 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 talking pretty pretty obscure and actually on the back of your LP doesn't it say how uh, how many copies this thing was limited to? Was it like eight hundred or something? I think you, when you pull it out in the sleeve, it said something about it. But you know, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, you'll not find this anywhere. Eight hundred copies. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I'll hang on to this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, probably not something you want to you know throw on eBay. It's a nice collector's item. So that's why you're listening to our podcast, and is because you probably won't hear these songs anywhere else, or at least. Uh, you may hear these songs, but maybe not these versions. Like mm-hmm. the first song we just played, Entomb Forsaken. Um, I mean, Entomb really is given credit for, I mean, along with maybe Treblinka, Bathory, Candlemass, being sort of like one of the first kind of major, you know, to Swedish metal bands them, yeah. to, to get. You know, I guess Nihilist came before Entomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Forsaken is a good representation of that sort of first couple records of Entomb's sound, um, the so called Stockholm sound with the. Where everything is sort of turned up to, you know, chaotic like eleven on on the yeah, amps. Yeah, basically. Um, I think the the it was guy all kind given, of a mistake. Yeah, uh, wasn't the guy giving credit was uh, Leaf, the guitar player for Nihilist. Yeah, yeah. 
he just sort of turned everything up, probably to cover up the fact that he maybe wasn't that great think, of a guitar player. Yeah, after everybody heard the uh, the uh, Scoggs, Thomas Scogsburg recording of it, everybody tried to like mimic that sound. I think they even like got in contact with him, and he was living in Canada or yeah. something. Like, man, what were your settings on that pedal when you did that? But, and he probably had no idea what he was doing when he first recorded some of that yeah. early stuff, and it was like an accidental discovery of this sort of like warm, deep bass, heavy sort of thick sound you mm-hmm. know, that's sort of come to define the Swedish scene. Um, at least the Stockholm scene. Whereas those of you who remember hearing the war compilation, the Gothenburg scene was sort of built more around like melody and a lot of mm-hmm. like melodic twin guitars, almost kind of like an extension of Iron Maiden. Yeah, and you mentioned the, a lot in um, in Eckroth's book is like the whole punk connection to uh, this, at least the Stockholm uh, Swedish death metal stuff as far like Entombed, probably uh, not Unleashed as much. Um, Definitely grotesque. Yep, grotesque Nirvana 2002. Chronic Decay. Because Chronic Decay became Dischange. Yep. Uh, Some of the members went on and they were kind of a crust crust band in the mid 90s there. Uh, What was the name of that Dischange record? Uh, Seeing, Feeling, Bleeding. Yeah, I remember I had that cassette tape. So (laughs) you said you still have it. I've got it on CD, yeah. Yeah, I think it came out in maybe 93, 94 on Nuclear Blast. Yeah. Part of the the disc genre, which we could do as a whole podcast, really. A disc, a disc, uh, you know, disc podcast. But um, for those of you, you know, because we sort of jumped into this, uh, I'm Jason Hundy. And I'm Mark Rudolph. And uh, hopefully you're joining us. I know we had to take last week off. There was a lot of kind of chaotic things happening. Oh, uh, Memorial Day. Yeah, oh, Labor Day, wasn't we're, it? We were so, yeah, exactly. We had to take Labor Day off, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I started back to school, and it was just too much chaos for, you know, Mark and I to kind of get together to, to do all this. So uh, I think the last podcast we did were some of the... The, the Cabin in the Woods recordings, the infamous Cabin in the Wood recordings of Anthrax and Morbid Angel and Satyricon. What was the last one I did? It was the last one was Anthrax, Anthrax wasn't yeah. it? So, so, so and thank you to everybody that's gotten us comments back. You know, we've got quite a few comments lately about the, you know, direction of the show. And, sure. And just, like, people that are, like, happy to, hey, man, I haven't heard Anthrax in 15 years. You know, I went out and bought some of those records now. So that's, that's and, really cool. And it was one of the, the, the reasons, you know, like, we where we get some of this inspiration to do some of the stuff like the reason we did anthrax was because we were in the same boat as the person who emailed us you know yeah. like we just I, I think got an itch to like buy like an old anthrax record and we just started listening to it and we're like oh let's do a show like let's <laughs> pick yeah. all this old stuff up and you know i think the same thing kind of happened with uh one of the podcasts we're going to be doing in the future with merciful fate where we just sort of ignored it for a long time and then recently kind of got back into it's, it. Yeah, it's one of those bands that, I mean, you go from a historical standpoint and they're like, they're so influential to sure. so many people. But when you're a kid and you think that, at least this is how I was, like, I was so dead serious about all this stuff. It was so cool and everything had to be so serious. When I heard King Diamond, I was like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now going back and listening, I absolutely love this stuff. Yep. So, but anyway, so thanks for joining us and sticking with us. And if, uh, again, if you have more comments to send to us, uh, shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com. So, um, and hopefully you, you enjoy what we're about to kind of get into. Um, now, Entomb, you know, launches the record both on vinyl and on the CD. And mm-hmm. it's kind of the appropriate kind of flagship Swedish band, I think, to, yeah. to launch all that. Uh, but the next set we're kind of going to get into, there's a real diversity of, of different sort of sounds that are happening in here. Um, there's a trio of bands that, that we're going to play, and one of them, uh, maybe two of them, you're probably familiar with, which is Unleashed and, and Therion. Mm-hmm. And the other you may have heard of in, in kind of legendary circles, which is House of Usher. Um, now, I kind of missed 
the the boat with Therion because by the time I got into metal, Therion records were pretty like dumpy. They were kind of getting the classical opera stuff mixed in with it. Yeah, I think I got into them. The first record I got was of Darkness, which okay. has absolutely which is good, good stuff cover on it. But yeah, it's it's really really solid stuff. And that's part of the sound of this song, uh, Future Conscious, where. It's not from Off Darkness, but it's in that sort of trio of records that they did early mm-hmm. on, right? Yeah. So what what sort of made Therion kind of stand out in your mind in terms of the Swedish death metal scene? I mean, really, they're kind of... They're they're really stripped down sound wise, but musically they got they got quite a bit going on. But they weren't they didn't seem to be as influenced by like the whole like D beat crust kind of mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It seemed to be more of like a weird mishmash of like you know Hellhammer, uh, Candlemass. Um, Celtic, Frost, Celtic Frost, for sure. Even more, I would say, and I, I remember reading uh, some of the interviews with Christopher Johansson, like right when he was sort of transitioning to that more operatic sound, mm-hmm. he was definitely way into like the end of Pandemonium, oh, kind yeah. of experimental Celtic Frost stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, because most people... a lot of people over. over yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think he maybe took it justifiably way too far in yeah. terms of metal scene. But, uh, you know, you got to give the guy credit because Therion's actually kind of had their own success and like outside of the in germany world. yeah exactly <laughs> they're huge with like kind of the goth kind of industrial you know yeah. sort of and le- for, I leather mean, for what they do they're 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 pretty good but it's just it gets completely it's, ridiculous yeah. it's not it's not my my thing my flavor of choice i guess but uh this future conscious song actually features uh are there keyboards in this song or was it in other songs that that Therion was doing in some of these early i think this releases? has a little bit on it but it wasn't it wasn't as brought to the forefront as it was on some of their later ones where yeah. it was just it was following every guitar line and vocal line but but it was certainly one of the first Swedish death metal bands to add sort of those weird kind of atmospherics in there yeah I mean yeah Grotesque did that to some degree but it was more like with weird vocal and guitar stuff mm-hmm. and Therion you know I, I mean Christopher Johansson or especially early in the scene um, he's kind of notorious too, and, and the reason I bring this up is because Mayhem's on this compilation is because he was one of the targets of the the whole Norwegian black metal scene for mm-hmm. a while too. And I can't remember the reasons for it or why if he was like speaking out against it, but I just find it odd. I think that, there's a lot of misunderstandings. Oh yeah, but I also find it odd that he's one of the first like death metal guys to sort of play with keyboards, and yet he's being attacked by like black metal guys. I mean, it almost seems yeah. like absurd in a way, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, you could almost trace back the symphonic black metal thing. You know, it kind of splintered off at him. Too, mm-hmm. so. Absolutely. And uh, House of Usher, the second uh, band we're going to play from here, they've got a really unique sound. Um, I mean, outside of the fact that, you know, the, the drummer went on to be in Dischange, the, mm-hmm. the crust uh, band in the 90s, you know, famously, Martin Larson went on and became the guitar player in At The Gates um, on... After With Fear, I think after the recording of With Fear, so he played on Terminal Spirit Disease yep, and Slaughter of the Soul. Mm-hmm. And of course, now with the At the Gates reunion that's going on, he's actually you know on stage. Yep. Um, and I remember I have sort of fond memories of Martin because when I saw him back in high school, when we saw At the Gates in Napalm, and I think I've said this before on podcast, we actually went to Wendy's with him. <laughs> you know, so that's my House of Usher connection. He's a real kind of sweet, soft-spoken guy. Yeah, he seems like the most down-to-earth guy maybe in the whole band. Uh, but in terms of sounds, you know, the House of Usher is incredibly bass heavy. Yeah, it has a lot of real stop start staccato uh, progressive elements going on too. And I'd say there's like a doomy kind of you you said you know kind of the British doom kind of sound that's happening yeah. there. But I, I I would imagine too because of the era we're talking about, they probably had some uh, some roots in like the Swedish Candlemass sure. kind of doom metal. Which sound. yeah, I'm not I'm not as familiar with Candlemasses. I don't think I own anything. Yeah, so. and I've I've sort of recently kind of 
done the what I did with Anthrax, where I just went and bought all the old candle mass and. You'll probably be hearing a candle mess thing. Oh, it's nice after the this stuff's like, you know, 20-some years old, you know, going back with all the historical relevance and like, man, this stuff is way better than... And his vocals in candle mess, like Merciful Fate that you mentioned exactly. before, like, you can kind of like hear them in a new light where you're not if like you grew up in, uptight like, and embarrassed. Yeah, you if you know? grew up with uh, Iron Maiden and Priest, I'm sure it would have been different, but, you know, because the era of Maiden I grew up with it was like Dickinson, like Power Slave kind of stuff, yeah. so it was way different. Yeah. So, but anyways, not to, to get too much on the candle mask, but the sound is very, you know, has kind of a candle mask kind of thing going on it. And in this particular song called Battle of Spectrum, which again, I don't know if this song was, I don't know where the song ever turned up, if it was on anything else besides projections, maybe a demo. But this song in particular, you'll hear when we play it, has a, a real death kind of sound going yeah. on. Um, I notice almost kind of a riff lifted almost right off a zombie ritual which was from scream bloody gore so i mean obviously death and possess and all those bands are going to play like a huge Mm -hmm. you know influence on a lot of the early death metal because that was the only thing these guys had listened to you know so they're they're going to be kind of mocking that a little bit so and then uh like you said the the real progressive kind of sound that was going on the at the gates kind of really you know got into with uh at this you know red in the sky is ours Mm -hmm. that sort of like you said stop start kind of thing happening and then we're going to get into some Unleash, but we'll we'll talk about Unleash maybe when we uh, when we come back after this trio of songs. So we're going to get into Theorion's Future Conscious, House of Usher, Battle of Spectrum, and Unleash the Dark One. And all three of these, like we said, can be found on the projections of a Stained Mind compilation.
That was Unleashed, The Dark One. And before that, of course, House of Usher and Therion. And uh, Unleashed, The Dark One, that song can also be found on uh, their debut record, correct? Yep. Um, and I'm drawing a blank. Where No Life Dwells, of course. <laughs> uh, which was put out by Century Media back in 91. And you noticed a, a difference between this and the version on this right away and we were kind of like oh you know what is it and then you're kind of flipping through the lp and what was the the sort of weird vocal discovery yeah robin a guitarist i don't even believe he's on that record i think it's um not for sure i think thomas and uh frederick johnny thomas and anders yeah so he must have just been on like the first demo era unleashed stuff but yeah apparently he did vocals on that track and that's and was, kind of odd because Johnny always does vocals from yeah. that from forever, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, you know. So uh, kind of a, a unique version, just like the Entombed Forsaken in terms of. Yeah, and this stuff. one was recorded live in the studio in okay. uh, April of ninety. So April of ninety, and I'm I'm gonna look and see so when this. That's probably right after you know several months after he was booted out of, or mm-hmm. they basically quit Nihilist because they're too scared to tell him that he wasn't in the band anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because that's where Johnny uh, got his start. Was yep. he was the bass player? Yeah, and I think he was. He's a fair number of years older than a lot of the guys in the scene too. So I think he'd been around in other bands. I'm not really sure which. But if any of the this kind of like history, you know, grabs you, definitely go and get that Swedish death metal book for sure. You that's can almost get it on encyclopedic. Amazon, you can get it on bazillionpoints.com for about thirty five bucks post paid. It's a. I mean, it's a phone book. It's five hundred pages. It's nice. It's got like a really nice glossary in the back of both magazines and every single Swedish band you can imagine from, you like, know, from like eighty seven all the way up to ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, so sort of the glory years, and it's just got a nice collection of like all the major fanzines and mm-hmm. magazines from Sweden. It's got a lot of the old like kind of uh, uh, posters for the bands, the it's little got inserts and stuff. Every demo cover, flyers from shows. I yeah. Mean, it's, and it's it's written from in like kind of an interview documentarian kind of way, so it's not. I mean, the author definitely puts his uh, his opinion out there on things, and it's there's a little bit of translation loss, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the writing, but it's still it's it's a really interesting book. And it's funny, the dark one actually. I'm looking at the CD here, and it says that song was originally kind of written by Johnny in December of '89. So hmm. that's a maybe the first Unleashed song, and Could that's be. maybe why they chose to put it on this Projections of a Stained Mind comp. Yeah, but uh, it's a cool version. It's it's obviously less produced in some ways, a little raw. Yeah, the more. drums are way more interesting on the on the album version too. Sure, it's, it's just this is more like sort of the brutal kind of you mm-hmm. know kick your butt sort of version. But uh, Unleashed kind of they seem to pull more of their influence from new wave of British heavy metal stuff and Venom and that era more so than the punk roots. Absolutely, it's a Celtic Frost kind of doomier thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they always seem slower to me than Dismember and Entombed. Yeah, they were. I mean, they they did a lot of you know going back and forth, but when it was like full out blast, there wasn't a whole lot of like harmony going on. It was just kind of like in your face. Mm-hmm. It, more 
primitive almost. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which kind of gets into what, you know vocally where they're kind of coming from with this whole kind of pagan Viking theme that was always like really prevalent in a lot of Unleashed. You know, yeah, and outside of like a you know Bloodfire Death Bathory that I know of, there wasn't a ton of other bands that were totally jumping on this Viking thing. Sure, you, you know, know this is kind of a Monomarth before a Monomarth. Yeah, people are probably pretty familiar with them now as yep. being Viking metal band. Yeah, and Enslaved, which we've done mm-hmm. podcasts on before as well. So. Unleashed is a band like um, you know. I think the first Unleashed thing I ever heard was the the Victory record, and I kind of it turned me off from an Unleashed for a, a real long time. And yeah. then I finally went back and bought their first three records in like the last five or six years. And of course, you know, kicked myself for not having those you mm-hmm. know, a long time ago. But it was hard because you know you you hear Victory and I'm like uh, I'm not really interested in what this band may have sounded like even though people like you or Chris would be like no seriously you know Unleash old stuff was was really well, killer the, yeah the, the, the Unleash where no life dwells grave into the grave and the first uh, Tiamat record both that was like you know the first wave of Century Media along with Morgoth mm-hmm. and that stuff was just like absolutely beautiful production values on the on the CDs themselves and yeah they had that nice band really silver different. tone that they did on the back of all those I remember yeah. it was like the Graves, kind, of a, yeah, kind of like a goldish kind of color going yeah. on the Morgoth as well and, and Asphyx was Century Media yep. as well you know so that that golden era old I- iced earth just kidding <laughs> <laughs> that first iced earth is, is hard to get through Whoa. but uh, yeah that so that's you know. I have a. What was I going to say? The my other early memory of Unleash is whatever song was on the first uh, Identity Comp, which I think was something from the Victory record, because that Identity Comp was like the first like introduction to Century Media for me, because I had like yeah. Grave Solace era, okay, you know TMAT Wild Honey era, so it was like right after you guys. Oh yeah, the, Unleash the is one of those Age, bands you know? that yeah they put out three good records and like three to four crap records and then they came back and put out like the recent record, records the recent stuff is awesome yeah for sure you know? a lot of these guys have finally like returned to form like realized what got them into this in the first place can manage to capture that and like a lot of other bands out there <laughs> yeah and of course if you're a historical person because of all the roots the fact that you know they're part of the the nihilist which was part of entomb which was part of you know this whole nucleus yeah. of, of you know swedish heavy metal and swedish metal so and now we're going to kind of change gears a little bit and kind of get out of sort of the more traditional Stockholm Swedish metal kind of sound into uh, almost a band that's almost pure thrash in a way. Yeah. That's Merciless. And we were talking earlier about how, you know, they Merciless is one of the few bands on this compilation outside of Dismember, Unleashed, and Entomb that actually has a couple of records out there that you can if you're lucky track down and buy but at least you can they're incredibly expensive but they're out there they exist on some level you know and the first uh, the first release that Euronymous put out on his Death Like Silence uh, production was a Merciless record Mm -hmm. ironically it had nothing to do with black metal at all you know Uh, that's before all the trueness yeah exactly cult yeah but uh, but yeah Merciless they definitely come from that that kind of threat I mean they're they're probably the most competent players on any on any out of this entire compilation i think they're absolutely fantastic players and really comes through as far as songwriting everything goes but they definitely had that uh, a lot of the german thrash stuff you heard a lot of creator and sodom and uh destruction Destruction, for sure and i was picking up that they also had you know this great kind of um it was like a balance between german and uh, american thrash in a way yeah a lot of those like like almost exodus style breakdowns and mm-hmm. stuff too some kill em all like search mm-hmm. and destroy kind of uh metallica movements and then even a band that i've sort of recently gone back and kind of listened to and i know you haven't quite done done that yet mm-hmm. is sadus and sadus yeah. uh like creator 
kind of toe that line between death metal and thrash metal with the vocal styles and, and some mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And obviously, when you hear these Merciless songs, you know, it's not clean Metallica singing. You know, yeah. it's it's definitely a death, it's more of a death metal sound stuff. And, yeah. And uh, Nuclear Attack and Book of Lies are, are just uh, a pairing of songs that are, you know, I, it makes me just want to be able to, like, get a hold of some of that other Merciless stuff. You know, it, it really is sort of frustrating that it's not more readily available, that nobody's yeah. reissued it or anything like that. It's really surprising they never made many waves either. I mean, I think it, by the time their stuff actually got out there, there's so much other stuff going on that everybody just kind of forgot about them. Well, and I think they they get caught in the same realm that I think Sadus got caught in, in that they started to blossom in the early 90s when nobody really cared about thrash anymore. Yeah. You know, everybody was either turning to grunge on the American front or you were going overseas or going to Florida. You know, you're looking at, like, death metal in Sweden or black metal in Norway or you were looking at, like, the Florida death metal stuff. And it's, like, almost any great thrash metal record that was put out between, like, 1990 and 1992, like, gets almost lost in the shuffle, unless it's, we're talking Rust in Peace or Seasons in the Abyss, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. So, I, I feel like maybe they just were, were doing the wrong kind of style at the wrong time or something like that. And, you know, like, now they t- there's this huge, like, sort of thrash revival that's going on in the 2000s, uh, and most of it's kind of crappy, but there's a few that are kind of... You know, kind of cool, yeah, uh, or at least fun. Um, it, a lot Dave of Whitty's new band, I, I forget, Municipal Waste, Municipal is, Waste is kind of cool. Toxic Holocaust, and I mean, a lot of them. It's a lot of it seems to be more nostalgic throwback. With uh, I mean, the guys just dress up like fools. Yeah, it seems. I don't know how much of it's. I don't know. I would admit, I, I feel like Municipal Waste has like a there's like kind of a honesty there, but they well, a lot of those guys have been, process I mean, it through a punk attitude more. You know, it's yeah. like a minute and a half songs. You know, everything, yeah. but. Yeah, almost like what Pig Destroyer does for well, throwing all the break, thrash breakdowns and stuff. Absolutely. There, so. But uh, what were you going to say about you feel like oh, these just guys a, a lot of these, these well, anytime these things come back, it always, I don't know, not a lot, a whole lot of the bands that actually started this stuff seem to get a whole lot of credit. That I mean, always bugs me for being an old cuss, but I mean, it's the same way with, you know, when the whole uh, hardcore thing started again, like nobody knew who At The Gates was, but all this sure. stuff was ripped off from At The exactly. Gates, so it's yep. just me yep. being an old cuss. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> So let's get into some Merciless here. We're going to hear Nuclear Attack and Book of Lies, and uh, in particular pay attention to the the awesome sort of groove that Book of Lies sort of ends with, kind of like a minute of instrumental kind of thrashing out. It's, It's pretty cool stuff.
That was Tiamat, Ancient Entity, preceded by a couple of Merciless songs that we uh, just talked about in the last set, Nuclear Attack and Book of Lies. And, uh, you know, kind of a weird transition there from, you know, sort of balls <laughs> to the walls, uh, you know. Yeah, you're just saying you heard some acceptance, yeah, too. Yeah, which I, I, witchery kind sense. of almost does that sort of sound today mm-hmm. that Merciless does, sort of that throwback retro thrash kind of thing. Or even uh, Satanic Slaughter has that same kind of sound. Which, witchery. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were. Guys from Seance. And- yep. And uh, but Tiamat is a, is a totally different direction, and they're a band historically given credit, as we mentioned before, um, either in their Tiamat incarnation or the previous band, Treblanka. Uh, Treblanka. I was going to say Sri Lanka, which is like probably, a film probably festival. the worst <laughs> name you could ever have for a band. You know, yeah, I don't even know what it means. Camp. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, yeah. Treblanka. I should know that. I'm a history. Yeah. So uh, I mean, and they. I think that was just kind of naivete at their, you know, being young kids and thinking, you know, being like drawn to that kind of stuff. They even mentioned in the Swedish death metal book a little bit that they just kind of everybody was like man that's why can you have that name like, no no it's, it's, it's cool well so they go from a concentration camp to a Sumerian god or a Babylonian god Tiamat you know like the or if you're big into D&D you know the yeah that's true <laughs> the that's cartoon true. yeah uh, but Ancient Entity um, this this shows up on their first kind of full length Astral length, Sleep Astral yep. Sleep and it was even when I bought Astral Sleep, before I knew anything really about Tiamat, I think I found it used at New Moon Records after mm-hmm. I bought Wild Honey. So I had Wild Honey, and then I got Astral Sleep, and then I got Clouds Last. Kind of weird, weird, weird way of doing things. But uh, that always that song always jumped out to me as being kind of the centerpiece of that whole record. Um, I mean, it's, not Lady Temptress. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Mountains of Doom was a pretty cool tune yeah, as well, yeah. but uh, for some reason that Ancient Entity just had like all these like different movements to it. And well, it- and this version actually has, if you listen to the album version, it's kind of straight. And this one, be- they, between like every kind of like... There's some flying leads and kind of yeah, every time and stuff. It, anything kind of quiets down a little bit in between uh, in between riffs. Yeah, they just throw out these little flurry of notes. I mean, yeah. I think it sounds awesome, but it's kind of like a new wave of British heavy metal kind of approach to it. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah well, just like almost just some some hard rock and like blues influences almost put in there. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, but in terms of like being as far you know far away from merciless as possible, Tiamat's <laughs> you know probably it on this compilation. Maybe Mayhem, you know, might be pretty far away too. But yeah. Um, very doomy, you know. Uh, like we said earlier, probably a, a massive candle mass influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, massive candle mass. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry <laughs> for that. And also a lot of Celtic Frost, Hellhammer stuff. But in particular, you mentioned, uh, like we said with Therion, the Into the Pandemonium record. Yeah. And that record, you know, Celtic Frost, um, I don't think got the proper due credit for it. When it came out in '87, you know, because it was people, ahead of its time. people really wanted to hear more of that sort of, you know, 
uh, morbid tales, you know, to make a theory on yeah, kind of sound and stuff. And into the pandemonium had like these sort of operatic kind of things Fumo happening. They did the cover of uh, the Walls of Voodoo song, Mexican, Mexican Radio. Radio. I yeah, mean, it was a it was a weird record. And I mean, I, or obviously, I wasn't listening to extreme metal in '87, so mm-hmm. I can't really understand what the reaction would have been. But I mean, it was kind of. If you look back at things, it's almost like a singularity. I don't remember hearing anything else that was anywhere close to, to doing that kind of stuff. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like completely wacky for that era. And I think, you know, Celtic Frost, obviously, at that time, were trying to like kind of spread their wings and do some other stuff. And of course, their next step was a, was a huge misstep, of course. the <laughs> Step right into Cold Lake. Yeah, the infamous Cold Lake, <laughs> uh, which has become metaphorical for crappy experimental album. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's almost so be- yeah, become it a. Referred to as the whoever's Cold Lake. Yeah. Gosh, uh, but uh, anyways, back to Tiamat. They they really took some of the experimentation, I think, of into the Pandemonium. Maybe the slower, doomier kind of stuff, and even vocally, he's. I mean, out of any other vocalist on this record, he's got really interesting things going on. It's not as gruff. It's more of like kind of screamed, and he's got a fairly deep voice anyway. So mm-hmm. it, it has more inflection to it, I think, than a lot of the guys on here. And the the person we're talking about is sort of the band leader of Tiamat, and that's Johan Edlin, and. Uh, just a, a really talented, creative, visionary force in the whole Swedish death metal mm-hmm. scene. Well, you look at each one of their record, their first three records, each is a different style almost. Mm-hmm. And you know, whereas this is sort of got kind of the Celtic Frost kind of doom and gloom. It's got a little bit of sort of the theory on. It's got a little bit of seventies keyboards, rock in it as yeah. Well. Very under the radar. That kind of shows up more in uh, in Wild Honey. Yeah, but but then like Clouds, the next record is almost like atmospheric doom the mm-hmm. whole way. And then Wild Honey is like this sort of psychedelic Pink Floyd odyssey sort of channeled through death metal. Super, yeah. super powerful, a lot of major chords. It's almost like triumphant sounding record. Yeah. yeah it's, it's fantastic. I mean, whatever That Hurts might be the song that single-handedly like dragged me into Swedish metal. I mean, yeah, that's, that's... It's a fantastic track. You know, that's when I met Chris, was I went into New Moon <laughs> to order that from, from uh, New Moon Records, and that's, you know, the rest is history, as we've kind of talked about before, but... Uh, you know, Ancient Entity, you know, I, I also heard some other things like they almost kind of did because of the Celtic Frost sound that they sort of have and the, that sort of Celtic Frost sort of groove crunch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They, there was also a part on there and you and I both picked it up, sounded just like Obituary Cause of Death yeah. with James, James Murphy, Murphy kind of throwing some of the leads <laughs> and stuff over that. So uh, TM had a really, really cool band and they're a band, if you uh, as a listener haven't really checked anything out by them, definitely recommend, you know, Astro Sleep, Clouds and uh, Wild Honey. Mm-hmm. And even myself and I know Chris, we kind of are into the record they'd made after that deeper kind of slumber. Um, Which it's, it's about half and half good, I think. Yeah, it yeah. was a little bit too experimental for its time or for for their uh, experience level. Sure, and I think they, uh, you know, that was like in the era when like Moonspell was starting to kind of get into that sound as well. And so there was all these cemetery bands was kinda, doing that, like Lake of Tears. All these bands were kind of like doing the gothic rock kind of thing. Yeah, uh, Tiamat, unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier. Never came back. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they've gone off the deep end. So, but this is a classic era of Tiamat, and you know, a good representation of, of sort of the best of their sound. And uh, where we're going next is actually, you know, kind of to a, a the beginning birth pains of a band that was going to really just shake the foundations of all of Swedish metal, uh, almost as much as Entomb did, and that's you know at the gates. But in this first kind of early incarnation of uh, what some of the roots of At the Gates would be we, we're talking about grotesque mm-hmm. we've got yeah Christian Wallen and um, 
Thomas Lindbergh. Yeah, I, I think Elf that. was in Grotesque as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know if he's on this or Elf not. Elf Svensson? But, um, I know he's in some versions of it. He is on this song, yeah. Okay. And so Elf, uh, if you remember the podcast we did with Albert, you know, Albert and Chris, I think, both really attribute a lot of the early sound of At The Gates to the sensibilities that Elf kind of yeah, brought to so. the band. And then, of course, when he quit, Martin Larson came in from House of Usher that you mm-hmm. heard earlier. And, and then, uh, uh, the brothers kind of took over the songwriting, and it kind of became more of a thrashy yeah, sound. Yeah, Christian Wallen almost took Grotesque to the next level with Liars and Wait, too. Yeah, and they're a band that you can uh, actually still get their you stuff, You can get their EP for five bucks on Amazon. Yeah. Really, really solid stuff. It's almost a mix between Grotesque and Merciless kind of, kind okay. of sound and so stuff. Very so very thrashy then, too. Yeah. And uh, Grotesque, we were trying to figure out the, you're going to hear it in a second, but the, the sample that this comes from, we think maybe The Exorcist, but we can't you know exactly pinpoint it. But uh, the name of the song is, song is called Spawn of Azathoth, and this is on the Grotesque record, The is it the In the Embrace of Evil? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it's called? That you can get nowadays, and I think it's even packaged with the first At the Gates EP. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, that's my version has that now. Okay, because I've got the I've got the uh, the digipack the digipack that's got the two demos and stuff on mm-hmm. it as well, and the picture of uh, Thomas, and- you know, with the sunglasses <laughs> on and stuff. Yeah. Those look like like child molester photos or something of him and Kristen Wall and uh, Necro Lord and well, and uh, what was it? Goat I can't remember what he goat spawn goat, or something? goat spawn or goat snake or not goat snake. Grotesque always seem they they're like one of the most like uh, scary kind of bands when you're a young kid like looking at this stuff. They just seemed like completely like. Crazy. serious about it yeah but then now if once you read some interviews with thomas there's no way you could ever take these guys completely yeah. seriously you know he's like the nicest guy in the world you know but uh you know grotesque was coming out of a, a different place even though there are some kind of like entombed riffs that you hear in here uh you're also hearing a lot more hardcore crust yeah. crust punk stuff which yep. thomas was really into and you're also hearing a lot more like slayer i mean just pure like old sort of rain and blood or even Hello prior hello yeah. kind of slayer riffs uh mixed in with some of the like destruction leads and creator leads and stuff but uh you know grotesque had a huge influence on the scene and you know i mean this is a really a really kick-butt song to kind of represent them and mm-hmm. you know again i think you're getting a sense of you know how much history is just on this freaking record? I mean, this yeah. this is like the history of the Swedish metal scene. It's really. almost, it should almost accompany the Swedish death metal book. Exactly, it should have come <laughs> with a free copy. Uh, Daniel, if you're listening, you know, if you if you do another print run of these, you know, well, hopefully that'll spark a little bit more interest in getting some of those old uh, forgotten demos repressed onto CD. Maybe Merciless and House of Usher and some of that I'd love stuff. To see that could, stuff come out again. It'd be great to have like you know my own personal copy of it rather than you know downloads and burns and all yeah. this other kind of stuff. So, but let's uh, let's hear uh, some grotesque, and then followed. We're going to follow that up with a dismember and a Nirvana 2002 song. But we'll talk about those when we come back. So, enjoy Spawn of the Azagoth or Azathoth.
That was Nirvana 2002 with a tune called Morning, Dismember, Sickening Art, and, of course, Grotesque. Um, now, Dismember, we've explored in pretty thorough... Uh, yeah, we did a whole episode. I think it was like our second or third episode. Yeah, we did, so, so, I mean, we don't have to get a, a terrible mountain to Dismember, but this, you did notice, was a, a slightly different version than the version you can find on I like think an it's overflowing a, stream. Yeah, I think it's a demo version. That it's not The guitars aren't quite as razor-sharp as they are on like an overflowing stream. I think the vocal the vocal seems significantly different, too. But but a great representation. Again, if, mm-hmm. you, if you just now are listening to our podcast and haven't gone back and heard some of the, the early podcasts we did, you know, if you, if you in particular really dug that style of sound that you heard from either Dismember or Nirvana 2002, that really sort of crunchy, thick, just really you know, bludgeoning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should definitely go back and listen to the Dismember show we did because we will talk all about their history there. Yeah. So. But, uh, and we, yeah. we mentioned a little bit of Nirvana 2002's history as far as the, the singer being on the, uh, the Entombed Crawl EP. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's gone on to be one of the one of the bigger f- kind of film journalists in Sweden, too, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, I think he has like a Siskel and Ebert type show there oh, in Sweden he? or something like that. Or he's some, something like that. I remember reading like a TV show on Sweden, on Swedish television. yeah. So that's kind of odd, and he's and actually they just uh, reunited, I think, in uh, 2005. They did some live shows, and they reissued... Uh, I think they reissued one of their EPs or something. Well, I know Morning is the name of one of their either EPs or demos, which is the song that we just played. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it, that could have been the one or or maybe one that sort of followed. Um, I know they did have, you know, a, a handful of sort of things. But uh, they, you know, Nirvana 2002, like, to me, you could fool someone and play that song and tell somebody it was it's old and tombed or dismember. Yeah. You know, it's it's that close to, you know... Yeah, I mean, they had slightly different vocals. Their, uh, I think their production was a little bit warmer than Tombs, a little bit more organic sounding. But as far as yeah, riffs and song structures, man, they're they're pretty darn close. Well, they had several demos here, um, some rehearsal tapes and things like that. It looks like I, I don't know if they ever actually put out an album. And in fact, I don't think they did. I think it was all demos. It was just all demo and, stuff. And, yeah. So who knows what just got tapes. released? Yeah, it was all these rehearsal tapes and stuff, but. Of course, strange name, Nirvana 2002, and we should probably mention that they originally were called Nirvana in 1989, Mm -hmm. Uh, but of course, I think maybe someone, you know, an attorney of some sort, maybe issued a a lawsuit. Nirvana was starting to get pretty popular at the time, so they they probably wanted to distance themselves. Yeah, associated. I always thought Nirvana 2002 is kind of a cool name. I had no idea where it came from when I was younger. I was just like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I guess now that it's beyond 2002, maybe it's it lacks some <laughs> of that punch that it used to have. But uh, it, really great stuff. And I think these two are almost like uh, kind of a litmus test for Swedish death metal. Like you just, you know, yeah. if you wanted to know what it was, you, that's that's what you would do. Um, but the, our last set that we're going to kind of get into is a really interesting mixture of things because it's almost surprising that this band made it onto the projections of the stained mind, you know, in mm-hmm. retrospect, you know, at this point, the history isn't really behind mayhem because dead is still singing for him. Hieronymus mm-hmm. is still playing guitar. There's no controversy. There's, there's no, no scandal. Burnings, nothing. Yeah. That no suicides, murders, all that sort of stuff. So maybe at the time it was just like, Hey, these are another extreme metal band, even though they're well, from no, Norway. Hieronymus, uh, guitarist in mayhem was like huge into the tape trading scene. Like, worldwide so i'm sure he was kind of like well hey <laughs> and i'm sure that's how he got hooked up with merciless as yeah. being the first band that he put out on his little uh, label in norway there mm-hmm. so but uh this is the tune carnage which um you know some people are probably familiar with i don't know if this version is the only version 
or only place you can hear this particular version or if it shows up um, on any of their sort of early releases. Yeah, but they've got a handful of seven inches. There's the, the Live and Leipzig. Live and I'm Leipzig. sure it's on that. I know Carnage is on Live and Leipzig, but uh, this particular version, for those of you who are you know old school black metal fans, may be kind of a, a tasty treat, you know, in a yeah. way. Um, again, my Mayhem knowledge, uh, I apologize, is, is fairly limited because... I think if you have Live and Leipzig, Be Mysterious, you're set. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, a lot of the newer stuff is just not really been up to snuff and the guys have such egos anymore and nobody's left in the band except hellhammer's Hellhammer. not even in the band anymore is he no i think he is okay i'm, I'm pretty sure hellhammer is and necro butcher who you you'll hear on bass is is in the band mm-hmm. but i think he left after this era and yeah. burzum came in mm-hmm. well not burzum but grishnak grishnak yeah uh came in and played bass i think on, on some of the stuff for a while and um, Not that it matters in the recordings. But. Yeah, exactly. You can't hear any bass. So, but Carnage is, is cool. This this tune in particular is is really strange because it doesn't have some of the really weird uh, atmospheric kind of the evil stuff. Yeah, yeah, black metal sort of sound. Uh, in fact, Freezy like Moon on here. Sound stuff. Yeah, yeah. Freezy Moon is on this compilation as well. Uh, but we figured, well, everybody knows Freezing Moon, so let's throw out Carnage because it Carnage in a way fits more with the Swedish it's got stuff more of a that punk we're doing. Edge to it, I think. Yeah, and uh, the the drums, um, the drums are awesome on this. Like, They're actually produced really well too. You can actually hear like the kick is just going crazy. And he's doing like a shuffle on the hi hat and get like a really like sweet groove going on. Yeah, it's thing. it's like Pete Sandoval stuff on like Terrorizer and uh, old Morbid Angel records almost. That yeah, sort of raw, you could take, you cool could groove sound. Drop the vocals and the guitar on it. It's still cool just to listen to the drums. It, it almost <laughs> works as an instrumental because you know like a Dead comes in and like screams something like a couple times in the song, but it's yeah. almost completely carnage. You know, it's just yep. like a. <laughs> Carnage instrumental, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a cool tune. And those of you who maybe have uh, dismissed black metal or the controversy surrounding mayhem, this may kind of give you a, a different perspective. And then we're going to kind of close things out tonight with uh, Chronic Decay in the first of September, uh, which we have no <laughs> idea what that's a reference to at all. But uh, Chronic Decay, kind of a cool band. Um, they eventually became Dischange. Yeah, um, and this was off their uh, seven inch. I believe it might have been the only thing we put out. Yeah, and we were commenting that... The, Ecstasy and Pain 7-inch. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. And uh, kind of commenting that there's a real big possessed uh, death metal, the song in particular, death metal that possessed wrote. I almost kind of like hear some of the melodies and some of the, the vocal lines yeah. in this tune, and uh, as well as kind of this thrashy crust edge mm-hmm. that, that you know, you really, were picking up really on. really solid drumming, too. It's- Balls out drumming and vocally, we were kind of you know mixed between. I was hearing some kind of Mike Browning, more old Morbid Angel vocals, and you mm-hmm. were hearing like old Bolt Thrower kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, you know, even so. like a little bit of like the first era of uh, David Vincent a little bit, but a little bit on higher register. Yeah, yeah. So pretty cool stuff. So, anyways, we hope you've uh, really enjoyed you know listening to I guess essentially a history of Swedish death metal, um, <laughs> but it's all on this projection of the mind. Yeah. yeah, from 1990, 1991. And this this is a wonderful introduction uh, for those of you who are new to, to all this whole scene. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And in particular, if you liked any of these bands uh, a whole lot and would like to hear more from them, from us, uh, shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com uh, and let us know. Like, if you want to hear a Tiamat show or Unleashed show or, you know, we haven't done an Entombed show yet. I mean, you know, we're we're always up for it. We're, yeah. We aim to please. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, but but uh, let us know what you think, and uh, hopefully keep listening, right? So that's for sure. For Mark, uh, for Mark Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, I'm, we're exchanging names today. For Jason Hundy and Mark Rudolph. Enjoy.
Yeah.